Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. It is great to be with you wherever you are and however and whenever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our ministry here to sow hope into broken hearts. Uh, as always, I am joined by my uh, friend and co-host, Ann DeSantis. Uh, welcome, Ann, and how are you this evening? Oh, just great. <laughs> I couldn't be happier because I absolutely love the fall. And we're on October 1st. It's also the feast day of St. Therese of Lisieux. So couldn't be happier on this day. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a rainy one here in Wisconsin, but uh, I know it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So uh, let's, uh, let's bring in our guest. Uh, tell us a little bit about who our uh, guest is tonight. Yes, I think, Bill, you know our guest very well, too, because she's actually a friend of yours. Uh, her name is Victoria Clarizio. She is an aspirant with the passionate nuns. So we have so much to learn about with her discerning of vocation and, and just learning about her own faith story. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Right, it's been yeah. a great time. Thank you so much for being here. And where are you coming from, Victoria? I live in Connecticut. How is the weather there? We have to compare, right? Because I'm in Philadelphia, Bill's in Wisconsin. How are things there in Connecticut? It was a really nice day, actually. Kind of sunny. A little bit of a breeze, not like good temperature. Good. Yeah, it's a great time of year. You can't beat fall, honestly. Um, so we always start out with faith stories. And I know that you have one to share because you are an aspirant with the passionate nuns. And I know we're going to talk a lot about that, but please tell us your own faith story and your own story. Right. And I also love St. Therese and I know she's you do. a big part. She's a big part of my story. So <laughs> I'm excited that this ended up being today. Yeah. That's, that's so amazing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up in Connecticut, so I've always lived here. Um, my family is Catholic, so I grew up um, understanding the importance of the faith and having that be an important part of my life. Um, my family kind of lived at church for most of the week. We were involved in a lot of things. Um, and I had an experience when I was 13 when I really kind of made my faith my own. Um, and th that was the time I would say that I decided that I believed in God for myself and decided to take my faith seriously. Um, and from that point on, I had this growing desire to do something great for God. And that was something that was especially inspired by the saints. Um, and yeah, just wanting to follow their example. And no, I was going to just say, what about the saints inspired you? You said you, you love St. Therese of Lisieux. Mm -hmm. uh, what about their lives of virtue inspired you to uh, search it out for yourself? Yeah, St. Therese is actually a leader saint. I didn't know about her until, or, or know about her when I was younger. Um, I So one one experience I remember having is my home parish 
has this special Stations of the Cross during Lent that they do where they, for each station, they highlight a different saint and how they made sacrifices and imitated Jesus in his sacrifice. And I remember one year when I was a teenager going to that and my heart just being like on fire, like I want to do what they did. Um, So I think it's just the way that they kind of want to step above what is expected as normal Catholics and um, yeah, just did something more for God. I think that's what really struck me and gave him everything. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. I would love to hear about how you and Bill met too, because I know that you knew each other from before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, uh, through your blog, right? Yeah, you kind of just found me on the internet, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I ended up, uh, I, I was out uh, searching for different Catholics. You know, I mean, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, since I started my radio show, Young Catholics Respond, gosh, that's what, four years ago now uh, mm-hmm. that that show has been on the air. Uh, we've done um, just almost four now. We've done uh, over like, I don't know, gosh, uh, almost 180, 200 episodes of, of uh, Young Catholics Respond. And, um, so I, I had still, you know, I'm always out there reading and stumbling upon, you know, different blogs and people and, mm-hmm. and to have as guests. And so, um, I, I found your, your blog and, uh, which I think now is kind of winding down, um, right. Because you're entering religious life. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, but I found it and, uh, and then I was like, oh, you know what? Wow. Um, I have to reach out to her. She's got a great story. It looks like, uh, at, at that time you, you were in a different area of your, of your journey. Um, and you know, definitely want to talk about that. I, I want you to be able to tell the whole story, but you were in a different area of your journey at that point. Yeah. Um, so you're like, uh, actually in between like, you know, you know, discerning religious orders there. And so, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was like, all right, yeah, well, let's see what we can do. Um, and so it was just a really neat, uh, time to get to, to get to know you a little bit. And, uh, and, and work with you. We actually, uh, and believe it or not, the book that uh, you and I are finishing up with the students from uh, DeSales and uh, DeSales and uh, Lords, uh, Victoria and I actually began <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, working on <laughs> many years ago. So, so that is uh, it's so so very cool uh, that uh, that it kind of all is intermingled here. But but yeah. So uh, I mean, you've got a a great way about you uh, with uh, with your writing. You're a very, very talented um, spiritual writer. Uh, you've even done um, a Stations of the Cross like like we have here at Petrocart Ministry, like I've authored. Uh, you've authored uh, your own version, which I think is actually the uh, Little Therese, right? Aren't, isn't that the Little Flowers Way of the Cross, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's based <laughs> on this on St. Therese. Yeah, so. So, so yeah, perfect day to yeah. talk about that, too. It really is. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I think that's a good place for us to go because uh, she was the saint of of real and true daily sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I mean, for those of us who deal with difficult personalities, right? Even even ourselves. I mean, we can be difficult too, right? I mean, but um, she had to deal with people that uh, really challenged her day to day in the... um, the situation that she was in with living with different uh, sisters and having to deal with their uh, 
you know, uh, sometimes not so nice, right? Not so positive uh, personalities. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. Yeah, one of the kind of the discoveries of her little way was um, how to have heroic charity towards others. Um, and she really learned to love with the heart of Christ, to love others, and to see those others as helping to make her a saint. Yeah. That's a good point because at the end of the day, right, it helped to make her a saint, mm -hmm. even as difficult as it was in dealing with certain kinds of negative personalities. I mean, how many of us deal with people that we say, you know what, I just don't want to talk to so-and-so, so-and-so gets on my nerves so much, you mm -hmm. know, this person, whether it's a family member, somebody that you're working with, uh, a neighbor, whoever it is, you know. Um, but, but she decided to just deal with it. Right. I mean, to just take it all in and, and live like Christ and be the better person and not be negative to be, to be better and not bitter. I think that's mm -hmm. exactly what she was. Right. And mm -hmm. to be a victor and not a victim because we can all be victims at times in our lives, I think, but she teaches us how to be uh, not a victim, but a victor for Christ, right? That's what yeah, I'm I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for the work that you did in, in writing about her because mm -hmm. uh, she does give us so much hope. You know, some of us think about uh, becoming a saint uh, and the fact that there are so many martyrs in the church, but martyrdom can be that like so-called white martyrdom. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard about that. I mean, it's that day-to-day -day sort of sacrifice that we give to the Lord and dealing with the ups and downs of life and uh, people who don't necessarily celebrate the same faith that we do, but accepting people for who, for who they are at that moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, Victoria, tell us a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, of course your stations are beautiful. Um, and, uh, and, but, but tell us a little bit about, um, the, the journey because, because you, you wrote them at a point where you were kind of in between your religious life discernment. And, uh, I, I love your journey of faith because, um, because there's so many lessons to be learned mm -hmm. from, from kind of the winding, um, mm -hmm. path that, that you've taken um, and, and so, so tell us a little bit more of the, of the winding journey. And of course you can weave in as much as St. Therese as you want in there and, <laughs> and whatever, but, but, but tell us the winding journey. Cause it's such a fascinating journey. It is. Yeah. And I think one of the things that always stands out to me is that if someone has a real calling, it's not going to go away. God is usually pretty persistent about it. So yeah. I started feeling called to religious life in high school and again, it was really rooted in this desire to give God everything and to belong totally to Christ in an exclusive way. Um, and so I discerned throughout college and learned more about different spiritualities and, you know, more about myself. And I also went back and forth a little bit with dating different times. I was like 
religious lives sound scary and I just really want to get married. So <laughs> I'm going to ignore that. And I tried to ignore <laughs> it and then it always came back. Um, and yeah, it was just like this deepening of realizing that realizing what I was called to and also that God would be enough and that I didn't need to be afraid of what I was giving up. So after college, I actually ended up joining another community, which you alluded to, Bill. Um, and through, yeah, I learned a lot through that experience. One of the things that I took away from my first community was feeling called to be with Mary at the foot of the cross and to console Jesus in his passion. Um, and also feeling very drawn to a more contemplative life. Um, but when I left my first community, part of it was I got sick and I also just didn't feel peace with being there. So I thought that it was a no to religious life in general. So I thought, okay, yeah. I tried that, I guess I'm called to marriage. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 w- and, and what was the religious order that you were discerning with previously? And they were really long names. <laughs> yeah, They're a- called the Franciscan Sisters T.O.R. of Penance of the Sorrowful Mother. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. That's beautiful. Wow. Where are they located, just out of curiosity? In, in Steubenville, Ohio. Oh, they're in Steubenville. Okay. Mm. Now, the religious order that you're discerning with now, we're really excited to hear about that. Where are they located? They're in Pittsburgh, so in the same general area, actually, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Wow. Um, so please do tell us about it. We're so excited to hear about your journey headed toward this religious order and your vocation. Yeah. So like I said, after I left the first community, initially, I thought that God was leading me in a different direction. But again, like that call just wouldn't go away. Um, And just, yeah, through my prayer and spiritual direction, I kept going back to that being like, no, but it really is the desire of my heart to be consecrated. Um, So I think I need to like try again. And something that kept coming up was consoling Jesus in his passion. Like, for example, one um, Lent a couple of years ago, I was attending a passion play. And when they were depicting Jesus being crucified, my heart was like in agony. Like, I was like, I need to help him. Like, I need to do something more to relieve the sufferings of Jesus. I don't know what that is, but I need I need to do something. Um, so like stuff like that would happen and that was like narrowing the focus of what God was calling me to. Um, and then, so the biggest thing that happened was actually a year ago on the feast of St. Therese, which is really cool. (laughs) So I, I, yeah, I was on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje last year at this time and and going into this pilgrimage, I really was like, okay, God, I, I really want you to like confirm if you want me to enter religious life again and just really asking him to lead me. And we went to a Carmelite monastery for St. Therese's feast day. We were, while we were praying there, I had this sense of St. Therese leading me to the foot of the cross and then pointing to the wound in Jesus's side and telling me to hide myself there and that I belonged there, that kind of thing. And yeah, it was just a really profound experience of like, this is what I'm called to. And my reaction was like, okay, that's great. But I don't know what community that means. Like, I have, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is just incredible. Yeah. So divine providence would have it that there was a passionist 
priest. So there are priests and nuns in the Passionist congregation. There's a Passionist priest on the pilgrimage with us. And I was telling him about that experience and what I felt called to. And he was the one that was like, that sounds like the Passionist nuns. You should check them out. And I had never heard of them before. Mm. So I finally had a direction. And yeah, so I looked them up. I went to visit the monastery in Pittsburgh. There are other ones, but that's the one that I felt led to. They have a huge statue of St. Therese in their chapel. <laughs> they have a like a major devotion to her, like from the beginning, like the founder of that monastery had a devotion wow. to St. Therese. And one of one part of the way that the passionist nuns see themselves is what um it's in scripture it, the analogy is like the dove in the cleft of the rock but it's that idea of like being hidden in the wound in the side of Christ which is literally what i felt called to wow and that's so beautiful you know that's so beautiful to talk about a little bit of that during these time during these times victoria because there's you know like we're we're watching so much suffering in the world right now i mean there's it, it, it's it's crazy, right? I mean, the the coronavirus just kind of ravaging um, through all of all of the entire world, and there are people suffering, you know, from from disease, you know, from the coronavirus itself. Uh, there's people suffering the effects of um, just you know having you know lo- job loss or you know financial issues or you know loved ones that are. Uh, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they came and visit their loved ones. There's so much suffering right now in, in the world. And I just, I just am curious, you know, as you bring that up, um, how, how you see, you know, what, what is your, what is your vision, uh, look like when, when, when you ca- contemplate the things that are going on right now in the world and, and, and how do we, um, how do we best unite our sufferings to, whatever they might be during this time to, to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, that's you, you probably have some very unique perspective on that. Yeah. So the main, um, the main charism of the passionist congregation is to promote knowledge of the passion, love for Jesus and the passion um, to just like remind people of what Jesus did for us. And then specifically at the, contemplative nuns because that we are cloistered so we don't like go out into the world and directly preach to people or interact is really to like keep christ company on the cross and his sufferings and not just the person of christ but the body of christ which is all of us and how we are still suffering and to intercede for the world um wow that's big um yeah, and there's just, like, so many, the nuns are, like, constantly getting phone calls with prayer intentions and just people asking them to pray or just talk to them or whatever. Like, yeah, their their prayers just are doing a lot in a hidden way. Wow. It's so good to hear that because isn't it so needed, especially right at this moment of time in history, you know, going through this pandemic, people are questioning so many things to do with their faith why is this happening all that kind of stuff so i just commend you that you're following the will of god by doing this so where are you in this whole process because i know that like there's a process of like 
you made the decision that this is where you want to go. And now you need to continue to pray about it. So where are you right now with all of the discernment? Yeah, so I'm what's called an aspirant with the community, which is kind of like the pre-entrance stage. Um, so I'm just getting to know the community right now and they're getting to know me. Um, but yeah, so through that, there's, a, we, we like me and the community are very much at peace with, um, this seems like God, where God is leading me. Um, so I've kind of been like, accepted and we I well at some point in this we'll talk about like an obstacle that I have to entering um but yeah I, I, the plan right now is for me to start postulancy sometime in the spring yeah yeah that's um that, that that's awesome that's a great spot to be in and and since you did bring it up I mean let's let's talk a little bit about uh how people can help you I know uh there is there is uh, one of the one of the biggest things uh, that happens in religious life, um, and, or people who are called to religious life, I should say. Uh, believe it or not, it happened to me when I was discerning priesthood, um, and it is the fact that uh, the the real hindrance is the fact that there's a lot of college debt that people have and and that carry. I mean, the you know the the loans that people are taking out are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars range uh, these days, right? I mean, just to be able mm-hmm. to go to college. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't mesh too well with, um, unfortunately, it doesn't mesh too well with the vow of poverty, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, it's a little hard to pay off the loans when you've taken a vow of poverty. Um, so, so there has to be uh, some way for for people who are called, I mean, God's calling them um, to religious life and uh, calling them to enter, but there's a blockage there because, you know, the religious order is like, well, you've got all this debt, we can't take you, right? So uh, so tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously I know you're in that boat and uh, I'll make our listeners aware of that, but I mean, tell us a little bit about the process that, uh, that you're going through right now to help um, you know, relieve that debt or pay off that debt so that you can enter in? And, and, and how can people help you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm working with this wonderful organization called the Labore Society, and they're a nonprofit that exists to help people like me who want to enter religious life or become priests to fundraise to pay off our student loans. Um, and since they were founded, they've helped hundreds of people which I don't think people realize how much of a problem this is and that there are more people than we think who want to be religious or priests, but are not able to because of this. Yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> a so, lot. Yeah. yeah. Cause if you yeah. think about it, most people wind up going to college in some way, shape or form, even if it's just for a couple of years, but then they wind up getting some debt. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you're entering into religious life with this college debt yeah, that needs to be paid off. So it's good that there's organizations that are helping to mm-hmm. defray those costs. Yeah. So the idea of the library society is I'm part of a class of, there's about 20 of us and our goal is each to raise $60,000 by December 31st. Wow. Um, 
And it would take more than that to actually pay off all of our loans. But that's that's our that's each of our goal. And as part of the class. And the um and the goal I mean, I'm sure other people donate into the La Barre Society, right? That way, you know, the debts are relieved. Um, but, but yeah, each and every person that that is seeking religious life, they're donating. Uh, you know, they're 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 out there fundraising and raising money for you know for this cause, right? right? Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, when you, uh, you know, this is a great cause, you know, to donate to folks because uh, this is really saving our church in so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we know we're already in a vocations crisis in this country, especially with religious sisters, religious women. Um, that is one of the biggest areas of need in our church vocations, and we talk a lot about mm-hmm. priests, but but religious women, are it's so necessary. Um, so, uh, it, so yeah, people reach out and Victor, you have a page as well, right? You have a you have a you have a page for yourself as well. If people are listening to this, tell them a little bit about the page that they can go to and how um, and how they can donate to your to your cause to, to help raise the funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So each aspirant has a donation page, and so mine is rescuevocations.org/victoria. That's pretty easy, and we'll and we'll put it in the show notes yep. uh, during the live show. We uh, we can't do that right at this very moment, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll be able to put it in the show notes uh, of the of the podcast, so that way you can just click on your link and uh, people will be able to get it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Victoria, because for people who like to pray about vocations and who really care about uh, the future of the church, I think this is a perfect opportunity. It's the perfect opportunity to give to something where you know where the money's going. The money is going directly to help Victoria so that she can pursue this vocation. So, yeah, it has something to do with this college loan. Yes, it does. But it also has to do with just her being able to pursue to become a religious. So tell us what happens then after, you know, the... the, part of the process that you're in now what's the next step for you so the next step um assuming that my fundraising is successful by december um i have to do a kind of a live-in uh, extended live-in period with the community so a lot of cloistered communities require you to live with them for a month to three months just because it is a more intense form of life um, so it's kind of like a final step of discernment. So I would be going in January to spend three months with the community. And then assuming that we feel like it's where God's calling me, then I would enter as a postulant sometime shortly after that. Um, postulancy is just the first stage of formation. Wow. What's their website? Because I'm sure there's people uh, listening to this podcast thinking, I want to check it out right now as I'm yeah, on, on my phone. Okay, it's passionistnunspgh.org, or if you just Google Passionist Nuns Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and folks, I just I, I did figure out if you're listening or watching on Facebook, uh, you should see it pop up. I was able to get the link uh, to uh, the Victoria's direct site in the uh, in the live chat. So if you're uh, looking or wanting to uh, donate uh or or learn more about the 
the Library Society, just click the link that's uh, up in the chat right now. It'll take you to Victoria's page, uh, and you'll be able to uh, see that and donate to that. So uh, please, uh, please give that a, a look and listen to, uh, you know, later as well. Thanks, Bill. Of course. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. Now, you mentioned something about the fact that the nuns get a lot of prayer requests. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that really warms my heart because I know that a big part of being Catholic, of course, is praying. I, I happen to be the director for a foundation where we're always taking prayer requests for people who are going through some challenging times. Um, is that something about the passionist nuns that also entices you to want to be involved, knowing that you can pray for those people too? Yeah, definitely. So something I didn't share about my story about that is, yeah, throughout the years, I've felt very much called to a life of intercession. So one experience I had in college was I was able to spend a summer in Tanzania doing mission work. And at that time, I thought that that was something I might want to do with my life, be it kind of a more active missionary in a foreign country. But during that summer that I was there, I found myself being drawn to pray in the chapel a lot. And one day I was like, this is so weird, God. I was like, why do I want to keep coming to the chapel and praying? Like I should be out with the people. And in my heart, I felt this question of, would you consider being a cloistered nun? And at the time I was like, no way. I was like, that sounds scary. I'm not doing that. And that was 10 years ago. So again, God is persistent and he's so patient in waiting for us to be ready to say yes. So yeah, definitely. That's definitely something that attracts me. It's the life of intercession. Mm, thank you. Well, you know that I'm going to be contacting you to pray for d- yes. different things. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'll probably be sending you a little text to pray for this, that, and the other, right? <laughs> yep. Such I a great have, thing. Such I won't have thing. a cell phone, but... <laughs> Mm. And also want to make a shout out to our listeners to contact us at, at our uh, website or our, excuse me, our, our email address, Bill, isn't it info at sewing hope? Uh, no, it's just sewing hope at patchworkheart.org. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Sewing hope at patchworkheart.org. Please send us an email with a prayer request because we could even pass that along to Victoria if you want to send mm. a prayer request. So so beautiful. It really is. And uh, especially for a younger person like yourself, who's thinking about devoting your whole life to this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big deal. It really is. It's a big deal that, that you feel drawn enough to your faith to do something about it, to make Mm -hmm. a real difference by giving your life. Yeah. So I just commend you for doing that. Yeah. Actually talk a little bit about that, Victoria, just the, the whole idea of cloistering. I, you know, people, people, I think mm-hmm. have a, have a, you know, they, they, they don't, people, people don't necessarily see a lot of cloistered nuns, right? Because they're cloistered. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. uh, so, I mean, talk a little bit about the, the, that lifestyle, uh, you know, that lifestyle and what draws you into it. And, and also talk about what happens in the cloister. Cause I know that you have some pretty cool, uh, things that you do in there for the mm-hmm. service of the church. Yeah, the cloistered life is hard to understand because, and this is something I've struggled with, our world is so results-oriented and we want to see visible effects of things, so it's hard to understand 
why the contemplative life is valuable. And I like to think about the story um, in the Gospels of Mary who anointed Jesus's feet with the expensive oil. And Judas was kind of scandalized by that and was like, you could have sold that and given it to the poor or something like that. And Jesus says, leave her alone. This is worthy. And I just think about the fact that like Jesus is worthy of giving our whole lives to. And the contemplative life is more about um, this, this witness of a life rather than like tangible things that we're doing necessarily. It's, it's this reminder to the world that in the end, we all belong to God and he's all that matters and he should come first in our lives. And especially the passionists, they're one of, one of their missions is to remind people of God who we so often forget. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know that Bill has said more than a couple times on the podcast that in our American society, it's sort of like this cycle. Now, Bill, these are your words, not mine. Uh, that, (laughs) that, you know, you go to high school, you get good grades, you go to college, uh, you, you get out of college and you look for a good job. You find, uh, you're dating someone, you ask them to marry them, then you have kids and Bill, you finished the story because I know oh, you've said this many, oh, many times. I was say, you, the, the world dictates this social script you have to follow. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it, it's a script that you're supposed to follow, right? Mm-hmm. And it leads to emptiness. It's just it's like a hamster you know, mm-hmm. going around on a wheel. I mean, there, there's, there's, it, it is a challenge to break that. It's a challenge for us as human beings, um, to, to break that and, and to realize, okay, you know what, the, the, the A that I'm going to get on this test or the F that I'm going to get on this test or the, or, or the fact that I didn't play and start in this week's basketball game in the grand scheme of life matters very, very little. Right. Mm. And, and it's kind of like what you're talking about. Victoria, it's kind of like what you're talking about where, okay, this is more about a witness of a life than it, than it is, um, it's more about witness of a life than it is just, uh, you know, following some script to, to get through life. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think oftentimes we, we focus on getting through, right? on getting mm. through something versus versus realizing that the very purpose that we were created were to was to exist in that moment you know uh, and and for that moment and and encounter the people in a different way inside of that moment that we that we're living and i think you know we're we're meant for the present to live in the present and not mm. get so wrapped up with what happened in the past or what happened in the future or what's going to happen in the future. And I mean, if, if you, if you didn't have, you know, j- just think about it for a moment, listeners, like if you didn't have what you have right now, <laughs> would everything still be okay? <laughs> you know? Mm. Right. And the answer is yes, because God provides, exactly what we need when we need it, you know? And, um, in fact, I was listening to a a mission by Deacon Ralph Poyo, um, who said it so perfectly. He said, you know, 
we've forgotten that God is the provider, <laughs> that mm-hmm. we have to figure out how to provide everything. No, no, no. God is it. And, and especially in your current situation, you know, mm-hmm. God is going to provide for you and your, and your, um, and your, uh, need because, because he wants you, you, I mean, after all this discernment to, to enter and to, and to work, uh, toward this great goal of, um, of, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, such a noble goal. He wants you to, 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 to follow this path toward religious life. So, of course, he's going to provide, right? Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Victoria, I would say, too, um, how long, maybe my question would be, how long is this process between now and when you are, like, fully consecrated? Like, how many years does it usually take most people? It's usually about eight years. So it's, wow. it's a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it gives you plenty of time, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's the idea. It is a big commitment. So it gives you plenty of time to continue to discern and prepare for that radical commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what is, uh, what is also the different charisms inside the, inside the order? I mean, of course it's being close to, as you've told us, be close to the, um, you know, the, the heart of Christ on the, on the cross, but, mm-hmm. uh, there it, it, it's not like uh, people. People, I think, think of cloistered nuns as you know praying all day, you know, b- you know, before the Blessed Sacrament, or you know, always just. But it's a little more active than that, right? There's a, there there is activity yeah. happening mm-hmm. in, in inside the cloister. Talk with us a little bit about that. Like, what are the activities and some of the things that you can um, do inside of the cloister? Mm-hmm. Um, so the main work that the sister, the nuns do is altar is make altar bread for mass, which is very special. Um, yeah, I've just been really blown away by the fact that I'll get to make the bread that becomes the Eucharist. So that's pretty special. That's a big deal. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little, a lot of they spend their time on. So they make it from scratch themselves and, um, and sell it to parishes. And that's one way that they support themselves um yeah and then like I said like people are just constantly calling them on the phone so that takes up a lot of time and then the every passionist monastery actually has a retreat center attached to it so that's part of the passionist way of life um so that's also part of it is taking care of the retreat house um and if there are any guests there oh wow yeah, I, I would love to visit there. I don't know if they allow that, but are mm-hmm. they just located in Pittsburgh or, or or are they in any other places in the United States? Yeah, there are Passionist monasteries in Kentucky and Missouri as well. And then there's some in other countries. But would you pretty much yeah. be staying in Pittsburgh or would they switch you around anywhere? Normally you stay in the same monastery for your whole life. Some do get transferred for some reason, for yeah, some reasons or other. So there's a sister in Pittsburgh that is from Japan. So and she just felt like God wanted her to come here. So wow, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, well, there's some kind of comfort I'm thinking. I don't know if you agree with me in knowing that you know you're going to enter there and that's where you're where you will be your whole life. Yeah, it's definitely that's different. That's my thought. That's my mm-hmm. thought. 
Yeah. And it really, you do become a family with the other nuns. Um, you know, the ones that have lived together for their whole lives, they're really close and that's really beautiful. Yeah. Hey, would you have any advice? I mean, um, because I know that the passionist nuns pray for people who are really suffering Mm -hmm. people who don't know how to handle life. Uh, would you have any advice for those same people who might be going through some challenging times right now with their faith? How can they hang on and know that God is with them? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the beautiful thing about our faith is that we do believe in redemptive suffering and that through the cross, Jesus redeemed suffering and made it a way for salvation instead of something hopeless and like an end. And I think just really uniting our suffering to Christ's suffering. And one thing that um, St. Paul of the Cross, who's the founder of the Passionists, he would suggest is meditating on the Passion is a way of uniting ourselves to that, but also imagining different times that Jesus suffered or different points in his Passion. Um, So if you're struggling with patience, like think about the patience that Christ had to have in his suffering um, or the way that he forgave his enemies um, and just looking to Jesus as a model for how we should respond to our suffering. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And how about that person listening who's thinking, hmm, a younger person, maybe a younger woman, right? Who's thinking, Mm -hmm. I think I might want to consider this. What, what is that process for them? They're, they're completely unsure. Uh, what should they do next? Mm, definitely pray a lot. Um, and I would say learn about the different spiritualities um, of the church. Yeah, just um, and if there's one that strikes you, like usually if you're interested in a certain community, your first step would be to contact them and just said have a conversation with the vocations director. Um, And I would say a really important thing would be to get a spiritual director or at least some wise spiritual person that you know that can help direct you and help you discern what God might be saying to you. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I do have to mention and make a shout out because I actually am the director for a foundation that is founded by a religious order. So uh, it is called the Mercedarians, the Order of Mercy. They're headquartered in Philadelphia. And all of the religious in Philadelphia are all men. We have priests and friars and brothers. Uh, Bill knows them well. They've been guests on the podcast several times and also on Journeys in Faith, my online TV show on Facebook. So I just want to make a shout out to people listening that, you know, they might want to check that out to another order, uh, the order of mercy. So um, because there's several, right. Did you check out any of the other religious orders too? Yeah. um, I've looked at a Dominican community. So yeah, like I said, just like, obviously I turned with Franciscans. I looked at Dominicans, um, a couple of other, like active community is, um, yeah. So just like learn about the different spiritualities and see what you're drawn to. Like, I remember reading about the Benedictine spirituality and being like, 
this is not appealing to me at all. <laughs> God had a plan. Yeah. Right. God had a plan. So what exactly about the passionist was the most attractive to you? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think their singular focus on being with Jesus and his passion and just that like very simple focus. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it has to do with their lifestyle too, right? Because mm -hmm. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's how they're living day to day. I right. mean, Right. I know that just as yeah. much as I know about the religious order that I represent, you know, and, mm -hmm. and getting to know many of the priests and friars and the brothers uh, and what their daily lives are like, you yeah. know, and yeah. that's what it really comes down mm -hmm. to how they're serving. Right. And the charism yeah. of the order. So what, what's a little bit more about the charism of the passionist? Um, so their, I would guess I'd call it their motto is may the passion of Christ be ever alive in our hearts. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That kind of sums one. it up. Yeah. That's a good one. Now, do they have specific mm. saints that they emulate or pray to that, that they consider like this is a passion of saint? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a few. So St. Paul of the Cross, he's the one that founded the Passionists um, in the 1700s. And then um, St. Gemma Galgani, she's a pretty well-known one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know she's, her. I know her. She's actually my confirmation saint. Is she? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Don't laugh, but them. my cat is named after her. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, because the feast day is the same day of her birth. Yeah. So we, we had to go with Gemma. So our Aww. cat is, is Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> um, so St. Gemma, who actually wasn't formerly a passionist she was a lay passionist associate um but they claim her as one of their saints and saint vincent stromby who <laughs> offered his life for the pope when he was sick and dying so that's pretty crazy oh, wow. um he was he was a bishop um and saint gabriel posenti is another one um and something that strikes me about the passionist saints is especially saint Gemma and saint gabriel they were young they didn't technically quote unquote do anything with their lives but they suffered so well and they mm. accepted their sufferings and loved jesus in that and that's kind of what really strikes me is like they had these very simple lives but they're heroic examples of suffering mm. <laughs> yeah you know that's a that's a beautiful uh just reflection um during during this time right uh, what a what a beautiful reflection for for these times to to think about suffering well, right? You know, to think about suffering suffering well and what suffering um, you know means uh, to to um, for for the world, right? Like like if everyone offered their suffering for a cause during this, mm. during this time of COVID-19, if everyone su suffered well, I, like I'm going to offer this up. And we hear that term, I'm going to offer this up quite often, right? <laughs> right, Victoria, we hear that mm -hmm. uh, quite, but, but then think about offering your entire life up 
and that's kind of what mm-hmm. you're you're doing. You're kind of saying, yeah. I'm going to offer mm-hmm. up my entire life and everything that's going into this, I'm offering up. Um, and that's that's um, kind of the mentality that is that is behind this. And how can we as people of, you know, today who are living in the world, who have no plans to be cloistered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, offer up our, our daily lives. Is, is there any wisdom to be able to say, you know, I, we hear the morning offering or hear some of those other things all the time, but are there, is there any other wisdom that you might have to offer up those sufferings so that we can transform our families, we can transform our, you know, society, our workplaces. How do we, how do we do that? Yeah. Um, another thing that we talk about as passionists a lot is um, that mostly God really wants us to just accept the sufferings that we are given. Sometimes we have these grand ideas of the ways that we could suffer for God or like the penances that we could do. And the hardest thing is just to accept what comes our way Mm. as coming from God and just making an act of trust that God is allowing this. So it must be for my good and my holiness somehow. Hmm. So I think really just so great. Yeah. I'm thrilled that we're speaking about this actually on October 1st, because, you know, she was such a, St. Therese was such a model of that. I mean, let's face it. And, you know, no, she wasn't uh, uh, martyred in the way that a lot of the saints were, right? Mm -hmm. But she was martyred in the way that she said every single day was for God, even if it was dealing with the person, with the terrible personality that got on her nerves to the nth degree. How many of us deal with that every day? of people that just annoy us that we can say, you know what, I'm offering this up, this person's personality that's grating on my nerves. I'm just going to offer this up because guess what? I'm not perfect either. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and part of me becoming a saint is realizing that in dealing with the people that kind of um, are difficult for us is we realize that, you know what, we're also not perfect either. And we need God every moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, as we're kind of winding down, Victoria, tell us a little bit, or remind our listeners again, um, just about where they can go and uh, how they can support you and, um, and, and what your exact need is. Uh, I was, I was just on the page, uh, taking a look at it. It looks like you've raised just about 44% of your goal, which is absolutely yeah. awesome. It uh, is. Yeah. So, so that's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, folks, um, She's got until uh, really what, uh, just over, th- just under three months, right, to mm-hmm. uh, to raise yeah. uh, the remainder of uh, this this goal. Uh, but but talk with us just a little bit about again what that need is and and uh, how how we can uh, help and and where people can go to do that. Yeah. So if you are able and um, open to supporting and want to help. Um, more people become priests and religious, you can go to rescuevocations.org and my personal page is rescuevocations.org slash Victoria. But I would also encourage you to look at the other aspirants and consider 
um, supporting all of us. Um, yeah, so as Bill said, I need about to raise about thirty thousand more dollars um, by December thirty first. Wow. So when will you actually go to Pittsburgh and then kind of get started? Um, the plan is January, the middle of January. Yeah. Wow, that is a huge deal. Now, do you, can the sisters there get visits, or since they're cloistered, do they really not recommend like family and friends visiting? Um, there are certain times that family and friends can visit. It's limited, especially for the first couple of years. But yeah, there are certain times where we can have visitors. Well, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, I mean, you are shutting yourself off. I mean, it gives a whole new meeting to, uh, you know, lockdown, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we're hearing that term a lot these days in our society, uh, but but it gives a whole new meaning to that. And um, and as you as you prepare for for that lifestyle you know of course in the first couple of years there's more of an intense thing as you kind of go through the novitiate and postulancy mm-hmm. and all of that uh but but after that uh, you know knowing that i i think it probably gives comfort to your family and and some of your friends that that have you know gotten a chance to you know know you and and, and live with you and, and birth you and all those things some comfort that they're going to be able to see you again right yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just because just because you are you know giving this um, great great sacrifice um, to to dedicate your entire life uh, and and make it close to the church, it, you know it, it, it's nice to know that you're able to see your mom and dad and mm-hmm. <laughs> and family yep. and they can come and visit. So that's that's very cool, uh, Victoria. I want to thank you so much for uh, being here and 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 sharing this because I think uh, there's so many young people out there. Um, and so many people listening to this in general that just have, have learned a lot. Uh, you might be tugging on some hearts right now through the grace of the Holy Spirit to uh, take a look at this uh, and take a look at the ways that we can support our religious uh, brothers and sisters. And so, I, again, I please ask everybody uh, to go over to uh, the La Beret Society, which, again, is rescuevocations.org, and uh, you know, look for Victoria over there and support her. Uh, during during this time, uh, as as she's giving us a great uh, witness and a great um, a great gift to the church, so uh, so please do that, Victoria. Thank you so much, and uh, and and I know we have you on uh, one more program before you yeah. enter in December, <laughs> uh, so it won't be the last time we see you. But uh, but thank you so much for for all that you're doing and doing for the church. Thank you from me too, Victoria. Really, you've given me so much hope. When you see someone like yourself who's so devoted to God, and I'll be praying for you, and and I know Bill will be praying for you too. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. God bless. Yes. Well, folks, uh, this has been an episode of Sowing Hope. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our ministry. If you have any questions uh, or would like to learn more about our ministry, please, uh, all you got to do is send an email to uh, sewing hope at patchworkheart.org. But until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos 2.